Hello again. This is Bottoms Up Podcast, Episode 3. Welcome back. Uh, glad you found something interesting in 1 and 2 that brought you back for 3. Uh, hopefully we can keep things going for you. Um, if you've gotten through 1 and 2, Episodes 1 and 2, you know that uh, drinking beer is part of what we do and uh, giving our opinions and little short reviews of it. Um, we don't want to do that alone. So what we're suggesting to you is as you sit down and uh, listen to our podcast that you would have a beer handy for yourself. I'm sure we'll sound better and yeah. make more sense. Yep, yep. You'll probably like us a whole lot more then. And uh, when we uh, do our little bottoms up cheer to each other, we'd hope you'd be doing the same thing at home and uh, we'll all be together in spirit. Um, Without and you, this doesn't happen. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of dead air, if there are times that there's dead air uh, in our broadcast here, that usually means we're drinking beer. So if you hear a dead air break, that's also a, a cue for you to pick up a bottle or a can and uh, participate with us. You should too. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, some new uh, available things for our podcast uh, we have a Facebook page. It's uh, Pottoms Up. Correct? Right, with an apostrophe. With an apostrophe. You want? Does it need to be spelled the way we spelled it to search it out? Haven't searched it myself yet. Mm. Well, it's spelled P-O-D apostrophe E-M-S and then capital U-P yes. with an exclamation point. No exclamation point. No exclamation point. Facebook won't let you put an exclamation point in there. Zuckerberg <laughs> is on my shit list. He, he is anti-exclamation point. He is. He does not like the punctuation. <laughs> and we also uh, have launched a website, um, and that is P-O-D-E-M-S dot com. Both the Facebook page and the website are brand spanking new, so they're lacking a little bit on uh, content at this point, but bear with us. Um, we're still trying to figure this thing out. So with that, uh, I'd like to say hello to Blotto. Hi, Fred. And to Knobs. Hello. Turning the knobs over there for us. And uh, we're going to kick it off this week uh, talking about some stuff in the news, and I'm going to hand it over to Blotto. And we always like to... Uh, kind of date stamp our broadcast. Um, and so uh, today in the news, a uh, couple of big things. Um, uh, Michael Cohen, Trump's lead attorney for 12 years, uh, pled guilty to lying to Congress. Um, really no surprise. The reason he lied is really compelling and uh, could really sort of snowball into something uh, much more significant. Um, another thing that has happened is that uh, 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 Comey was issued a subpoena, and he uh, vows on fighting that subpoena. Uh, he, he wants to give a, uh, a public hearing to the uh, lame duck Republicans um, in the House, and they want to put it behind closed doors and then issue transcripts. Uh, and then lastly in the news, uh, this morning we heard the unfortunate news that Alaska was hit with a Pretty severe earthquake. 7.0. 7.0. I've seen some of the pictures of the damages. I think we're going to see a lot more. Uh, So uh, certainly, um, you know, we're concerned uh, about our friends in Alaska and uh, wishing for everyone's uh, uh, safe being. I know when they first had uh, put that on the news, they were fearful of tsunamis, but uh, I guess they called the 
watch off for the tsunamis. But they still have to deal with the aftershocks, and uh, it was a pretty severe uh, earthquake. So hopefully everybody's okay, and uh, we're thinking about you. Do do we do the beer before we do the fact checks? I don't recall. I don't recall either. Uh, Might be a good time. Let's just go to the beer, and then we'll get into the fact checks of last week, and and then we'll get into this week's topic. What do we got? All right. So we're starting out with a fun one today uh, from another Michigan brewery, Saugatuck Brewery from Western Michigan. Terrific little town. If you've never been there, you should be. You should you should go. Great place. Great place. Right on Lake. Well. Lake Michigan. Right on Lake Michigan, yeah. Yep. Nobbs uh, provided the beer for the evening, and he picked out a blueberry maple stout. I have to admit, I've never had a blueberry anything beer, so this is going to be interesting for me. A little bit about our stout. It's 6.0 on the alcohol levels and 26 IBU on the bitterness, so Mark will, will like that. Anyway, should anyway, but uh, let's give it a try. Where's our? There's the church opener. key. We get the knob set up first here, and blado, and the grassy troll. Oh, there we go. Hmm. Um. My first reaction is um, not as blueberry, it's not as fruity as I thought it was going to be. Generally speaking, when I um, try these fruit beers, and especially flavors, I always feel like the flavor comes on really strong at the beginning and then mellows out over time because sort of the the, the beer in it comes out more. Uh, This one, I don't find it to be too fruity right off the bat, so I kind of like it. Um, There's a good maltiness to it as well. Agreed. That would be the uh, low IBUs. Um, could be a tad colder today, Knobs. Yeah, <laughs> a little on the warm side. It's kind of like warm blueberry cobbler. <laughs> uh, but I, I still give it a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Okay. Well, I, I normally steer far and clear of anything along these lines, but uh, the idea of our beer reviews is to expand our horizons and try some new things and when i saw blueberry on that label uh i i thought it was going to come across as being 2d fruity and not so good but like mark said it, it's very it's actually very subtle which makes me happy and uh it does have a nice malty kick afterwards so i i, I thought this was going to be my first thumbs down but uh gotta agree with blotto it's pretty good stuff Nobs. Nobs. Uh, I'll give it a thumbs down. Oh yeah. Yeah, I picked it out, but uh, I, I would not partake again. No. It's it's just a stout. There's nothing really there for it. I would say it's a bland stout. So yeah. Because there is no real flavor of the maple or the blueberries. I didn't even taste any maple. Now I think about it. I'm I'm. You getting that pancakes? swishing around looking for for the maple? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, so it is a little lag. It is a stout. That's what it is. So, so when you you picked this one out, did, were you attracted to that, the the blueberry and the maple? Were you looking for a little something more sweeter? Uh, no, I was looking for a three of one kind. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and that limited my selection heavily. So, um, no. Okay, so we got 
two thumbs up. And you, you know, we're we're in our third episode, and and just dropping a, a little bit of a hint there to our listeners, we still have not received uh, beer from anyone yet, uh, whether it be a micro uh, brewery or even someone at home. And uh, uh, hopefully, we'll we'll get to that level of success with Pottoms Up that uh, you know we won't be asking knobs to stop by and, and pick up three of the same on his on, on his way to the studio all right well here here's a bottoms up bottoms up to a good uh, episode three and we'll get things kicked off um before we get started with the corrections uh, i just want to surprise blotto and knobs with a special guest who's joining us today uh, it's CIA, CIA director Gina Haspel. She's come to uh, give us a briefing. What do you mean she's not here? Where is she? Who stopped her? Someone someone must have stepped in and stopped her. Ah, <clears throat> oh, the bitch, the bitch. A <clears throat> um, couple of, uh, of fact checks that we, we noted last week or we didn't note last week that we wanted to run through. And um, uh, uh, this week... I'm going to try and go through these a little quicker. It's not up to, you know, so we're not eating up time uh, on, the, on the real topic of the day. Uh, McRaven is an admiral, not a general. That was my faux pas after reviewing it. Um, we got to leave it to the, uh, the former military uh, guy, uh, Fred, and he said, uh, you know, there's, there is a difference. Um, and they'll tell you, too. We also talked about Trump donating $1 million dollars. Um, we knew that he had done it. I didn't have all the facts on it. He took five months to donate the $1 million, and it did go to Marine Corps Law Enforcement Foundation, which does provide educational grants to the children of fallen Marines and federal officers. Uh, but it took him five months and pressure from the media to get it done. Uh, you questioned me on this one, uh, Fred, uh, regarding his insensitivity to Sergeant uh, David Johnson I thought maybe it was his mother that he was insensitive to, but it was his widow. So I double-checked that one, and it was his widow. Um, you checked out the president's deferment. We deferments. We had a few. Uh, uh, we weren't sure of the right. number. Yeah, and right. what'd you come up with? <clears throat> it was um, four for uh, college. I don't remember. Was was that an S two? I think so. And then there was one for the uh, bone spurs, a uh, minor medical. Deferment. So we were unsure on the college deferment. So, so five altogether. Five, five deferments to, yeah. to avoid military service. Uh, and then we uh, uh, were mentioning uh, how he didn't attend the ceremony in France to commemorating the 100 years of uh, World War I. Uh, we thought that uh, he sent uh, Kelly and Bolton instead. It wasn't Bolton, and that makes sense. Bolton would not attend that, no. I'm sure. Uh, and it was uh, General Joseph Dunford, uh, the uh, chairman for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So that's who attended that ceremony in lieu of um, the presidents. So that's our fact check. All right. Uh, th this week, um, you know, we're always trying to say to to, to stay somewhat topical um, with kind of what's happening in the world and uh, within the U.S. government and. Uh, you know, the elections were just um, uh, a week and a half ago, and the Democrats have now uh, taken, regained control of the House, uh, which will take effect in January. And uh, Fred and I started kind of kicking around, what should their strategy be? Um, should it be oversight 
but could that oversight become overreach? Right. Um, and so we started to kind of just kick around some of the ideas of what they should prioritize and how they should prioritize uh, um, whatever it is that they want to go after. Yeah, exactly. You know, it. the question was, is should they go gangbusters and just bury the White House and make them a uh, 24-7 legal defense operation? Or should they focus on good positive legislation, especially because we just finished the med- midterm election, but we're already in the 2020 voting cycle, essentially. So um, we thought, well, maybe they should focus on legislation to try and set themselves up to wipe the Republicans out, hopefully, for the White House in 2020. So, um, or is there a happy medium where you could, you know, kind of right. do a little of both? I mean, we certainly want we certainly strike a balance. I we, guess we certainly <laughs> want the checks and balances, right? Oh, yeah. And 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 I think part of those checks and balances do require the investigations. Because otherwise, there is no check and balance. Right? Otherwise, it's just talk. Um, you know, and we think about what are the things that they should be investigating from an oversight standpoint, right? And you know, a, a couple of those that are kind of key. Um, certainly, I, I think an investigation could be warranted around the Khashoggi murder. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, and. But it's interesting when you do that because then you also have to understand the motives as to why the White House has decided to downplay it. And is it really just because of um, they're an ally uh, and, you know, they provide us with some oil? I'm not even sure how much. Fact check that. I think it's 8%. Yeah. It's yeah. very low. <clears throat> and uh, Or is it because... There are more personal reasons that Trump would try and stay, you know, friends with uh, with the Saudis more so than doing something on behalf of America and American values. And I think that that's where, you know, investigating the Khashoggi murder also then ties into his corruption. You know, you know, all of these investigations eventually kind of get get tied to the White House and that level of corruption. I will take exception with the way you described it. Uh, I would say it, it's a cover-up of Khashoggi's murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it you, is. the way you stated it, you almost kind of candy-coated it, and I don't want to lessen the event in any in any manner. Yeah. Um, so you know that that might be one uh, that you know they should jump on right away. Um, I, I do I do sort of caution with these investigations that they have to bear fruit. They have to, they, they have to come away with something. Too often congressional hearings are a joke. Um, you know, even the bipartisan ones, uh, very little ever gets done or, or comes out of it. Very, Dog and pony show with little substance. You know, what they become are talking points for their campaign trail for the next election. That, that's really what they, you know, this is what I said. This is who I challenged. Um, you know, I always like to, to think of the, uh, the, the, the congressional hearing on Pharma Bro, uh, uh, Scarelli. Oh, yeah. And they, they brought him in because he had, you know, uh, been a complete douchebag and raised the price by 4,000% or yeah, something. outrageous. On, on, Fact check that. Yeah, the, the, Maybe not. It yeah, doesn't not, matter. You get the point. You get the um, point. 
And they brought him in and they tried to grill him. And basically he just laughed at him and saying, you, you can ask me all these questions. I didn't do anything illegal. And, you know, nothing ever came of it. There was, there was no legislation that was passed that said, okay, we're going to, uh, you know, better regulate the pharmaceutical business. We're not going to allow this to happen. That's probably what should have come out of it. Um, but, you know, both parties, I'm sure we could find politicians in both parties that, uh, uh, you know, are, are getting their pockets full from ph- pharmaceutical companies. And You, you think? <laughs> so I, I, I think maybe? That, that whatever whatever investigations the Democrats now want to wave out there, they've got to, um, they've got to make sure that they can get something out of it. And, and that's my biggest concern with following the, the oversight piece. <clears throat> uh, you know, another one that comes to mind that I think uh, uh, is critical at this point in time is the Matt Whitaker appointment. Uh-huh. Um, there's, there's, there's shadiness all around him and the way the appointment is happening and what the long-term plans are for a new AG, it, it, the whole thing stinks. Every piece of it. I, I was driving home from work today, and I guess there was some, they discovered some more documentation on that uh, company that he was a yes. consultant. And they, they, these emails, I guess, showed that he was more aware of what was going on. Because he, he's the scamming trying, part. He was aware the scamming, of the scam. Yes, yes. Where up to this point, he had basically been denying the scamming part. Now, all of a sudden, we've got these emails that are yeah. tying him to it. So um, th- this yeah. guy's, uh, this, this whole situation, I just don't understand. It's like... How, how can somebody that was not Senate vetted be even put into that position, even as the acting, to be ahead of the Mueller investigation, which he hasn't been quiet about it over the last year or two? You know, he's been a big opponent of it and a vocal opponent of it. And it just seems to me there should be something that yeah. would prevent this kind of an appointment from happening. And, and whether... You know, he's another cabinet appointment. Look at all the scandals involving so many of the other cabinet members. And that could easily be just another investigation just, you know, in itself or even, you know, by cabinet member. So many of them have, um, you know, either abused tax dollars or, um, you know, have been uh, beholden to lobbyists, um, you know, and and maybe the best thing that Democrats – or the American citizenry can uh, can get from investigations is exposure. Yep. Right. I mean, it's it's not going to be a criminal indictment. Um, it could result in some more robust laws to make sure that doesn't happen again. Um, I kind of doubt that, but maybe by just putting light on the cockroaches, um, you know, exposes them for what they are. Well, you know what? Another benefit of that is. Because of the lack of oversight and the lack of checks and balances in this past two years, the people who are these ardent uh, President Trump backers, they're unaware of half, not half, they're unaware of almost all these scandals because they're watching Fox News. Fox News does not talk about it. So the point you brought up about exposure Mm -hmm. will maybe maybe start to convince some of them that maybe there's something going on here. There's there's plenty of smoke. 
Right. Maybe there's some fires because right. they're, they're, they think they're all this stuff's made up or something. They're, they're in a bubble and they're 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 in a, a, a you know kind of a, a circular talking point all the time, um, a, a feeding frenzy of um, the the bias that that suits their belief and then the belief that suits their bias. It just right. continues to to go around and around and around. So, so what do you see as another good example of of a an investigation um, that should probably take place? You know, does Trump's actions towards the Mueller investigation come into play? Is there, is there, you know, the House could pick up the the, the Russian influence again because you know Devin Nunes and company they, you know, they had no interest in getting to the to to the bottom. Um, Adam Schiff has already talked about kind of renewing that, but now do you bring in another piece and say, has Trump tried to obstruct the Mueller? And, and, and bring in people and do investigative work to find out if there's real obstruction of justice there. I, I think, you know. Now, is that, is that necessary because Mueller's doing that work? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's any short, I don't think there's any uh, shortage of things to investigate. Um, you know, I, I shared that Axios article with you that had 85 a list of 85 <laughs> different um, topics that the House Democrats are considering investigating. And you know there's more. <laughs> That's their, their, their hot uh, 85. Um, you know, one I would like to see is uh, the tax returns and the financials. See, I think the tax returns can almost be a part of any of those other ones because so much of it goes back to what was his motivation behind making the decisions that he's made. Well, and some of that is going to require understanding his, his financial records. There are two things that motivates the presidents, notoriety and money. Yep. And so you make a good point that just about any of these investigations we pick up and talk about will probably have a thread that reaches back into financials, yep. um, financial gain. Yeah. So... I just think we have to be really careful. Um, you know, there's there's a number of things that could that that would be very positive that could come out of this. Um, you know, besides restoring uh, the principles of checks and balance um, and and shedding light on the on the corruption, um, does it put an end to abusive uh, waste of tax dollars? Um, you know, could it put an end to uh, Trump's uh, flagrant violations of the emoluments clause? before we rely on a Supreme Court decision. Um, you know, uh, does it help bring some credibility back to our intelligence and law enforcement agencies, CIA, FBI, DOJ, if, if the truth comes out and it, and, it, and, it, and it shows that these organizations are working on behalf of the American people and uh, telling the truth, um, you know, it, it should restore their credibility that Trump continues to chip away at. Um, you know, ultimately, I don't know, criminal activity, that'd be great. Uh, you know, for, for some of these con, uh, con men, con women in this uh, organization, but I, I just don't know that's ever going to happen. And, and then lastly, you know, is the I word. Oh. Right? It does investigations say, you know, a series of these investigations all sort of culminate and, you know, build the case, which I think is already built. And 
Oh, I uh, totally and, agree. And I think there's plenty of examples of where Trump doesn't stand for the for the Constitution or for the rule of law or even for the White House. But, um, uh, you know, could all of these investigations lead towards um, some level of impeachment or some level of high crimes that would lead to impeachment, like I said, in a culminating effect? Um, if they wanted to go down that road, you know, that's almost a topic for another time. Of should the Democrats dance around the I word, or should they just go right at it? You know, um, you know I, I think you let the Mueller thing play out before you have to go there. Yeah, that seems that and, seems to be what you're hearing from a lot of the Democrats. They're using yeah. that sort of as a a non-committal way. You know, you you know they probably want to go for the impeachment. But they got to play it politically and, you know, be savvy about it because they don't want to piss off their constituency and they want to try and fulfill the things that they promised on the campaign trail. Can I digress real quick on something you said? Um, You you were talking about when it comes to these investigations that you want some result at the end, whether it be a criminal result or a law. Uh, mm-hmm. a new law written or, or strengthened. Think about what just happened to uh, Cohen. He mm-hmm. got... Right. He had to plead for lying to the Senate. And if you listen to the talking heads, people keep saying, now that's something that they don't normally ever do. And yet it mm-hmm. took mm-hmm. M- Mueller right. to step up and make an example of him, which you mm-hmm. know it's sending a message to like Don Jr. Right. and Ivanka and uh, Kushner that... Yeah. That I mean, without the Mueller investigation, does Cohen get get away with lying to Congress? Probably. Probably. Could because you see yeah. it all the time. Yeah. You, you saw so there's no investigation on what the witnesses are saying. In in you think about like during the Kavanaugh thing, all the Democrats are they wouldn't say he's lying, mm-hmm. but they kept saying he's not being truthful, not being truthful. Well, do something about it. You know, right. try and kick his Well, head. they did try and get an investigation and well, you know, that that was a farce. But my point is is that you never hear of people being prosecuted for lying to Congress. They they talk about how bad it is and they shouldn't have done it. You got M- Mueller doing it, mm-hmm. and and I think that's he he is sending a message loud and clear. And it's hilarious also that all the court papers Mueller signed them all himself. Yes, I. I oh, yeah. that was a <laughs> that was a message to the president and his kids. So, anyways, I, I didn't no mean no no, it's right you. on. It's fine, and that's not to say though there aren't political risk in going after too many investigations. Uh, you know, the, the first is, does it look like revenge? Yep. If you don't come away with tangibles, are you just, you know, part of the resistance and just complaining about the election is kind of what the Republicans and Trumpsters would say. Yep. Um, You're trying to nullify our elected president. And with those kinds of, um, with those kinds of investigations, and they don't bear fruit, does that further divide Americans, if it's even possible? Like, like, <laughs> true. You know, you know. How much it, deeper can we make that cavern? We, we we do want more Americans to come together, right? We just want them to come together on our side, right? But, well, but sure. But but we want we, we do want more Americans to to to, uh, to see things at, at least as they are, right? And you know, and and, and we think um, we we do our best to do that, but. If you have the investigations, you know, is it just more people putting their stake in the ground saying, you know, they're just doing it because they don't like Trump 
And um, <clears throat> I, I think that's a, that's a risk that, they, that the Democrats, that, that would be the overreach, where that divides Americans e- even further. Um, <clears throat> and then lastly, which is, is kind of the part two here, um, is does it take away from their legislative efforts? And, and that's kind of where the balance is, right? Do they spend a lot of time working on investigations or do they spend you know, more time on um, real, again, the word tangible, legislative um, you know, pieces and works that benefit the American people? So in 2020, they're not just the anti-Trump party, they're the this is what we've done for you party. Yep, and again, getting back to the promises they they made out on the uh, midterm election trail because they they stayed away from impeachment. They did. They were very disciplined. They stayed yep. away from that for the most part. They, they really stayed away from calling out Trump in many ways. Yeah, yep. they kept him out of the argument mm-hmm. for the most part mm-hmm. to try and keep his base and he at home. Injected himself into it. Yeah, in but, but the idea was to keep his base at home. You know, um, hey guys. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. It's about that time. I'm getting a little thirsty here. A little dry. You at home. I don't hear so bottles clacking. (laughs) Brett still doesn't know this isn't live. Mm, Blueberry Um, pancakes. (laughs) Uh, You know, it it ought to have a buttery flavor. (laughs) How about oleo? I don't know what oleo is. What was the other one? Margarine. Wasn't margarine like one molecule away from plastic? <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's from a chemistry. We could fact check that, but I always thought that was like the, um, I, I, not the rumor. What, what did they call that? Not uh, an idiom. No, no not an idiom. <laughs> oh, the wife's tale. Old wife's tale. Oh, uh, okay. That, yeah. No. Okay. Oleo. Um, and and if, the, if, the, if the Democrats went after the legislative piece, then what should they go after? Because... They could go after all kinds of things, but everything might die in the House or in the Senate. And what is the president going to pass? So I, I think they have to be careful with what they try and do legislatively as well as, you know, again, what the same thing they're doing on the investigation side. Um, I, I did kind of think of a couple of pieces of legislation that I kind of consider to be bipartisan, right? That, Lay them that, on me. That they should be able to put the pressure on the... Senate Republicans to either get behind or get out of the way, right? Criminal justice reform, and, and that seems to be something on the president's radar as well. Uh, I don't really know how big of an issue it is, but I do want to just see progress. I mean, that's what that's what I'm looking for as an American. Let's have progress. Let's, you know, right the wrongs. And in the criminal justice system, there are a lot of those things. Yeah. Infrastructure should be the lowest hanging fruit out there. When you start getting into the weeds of infrastructure, it does get a little bit more dicey because who's going to pay for it? When when I'm thinking infrastructure, I'm thinking, you know, government supporting the infrastructure that we need in the U.S. Republicans think, well, we're just going to give tax credits to private enterprise that wants to, 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 to build things and then charge us for tolls and things like that. So, you know, that does get a little dicier. Um, the House Republicans ought to put the pressure back on um, uh, Republicans uh, for DACA. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, you, that's a big one there. I mean, they, they should have had that handled already. Back when the uh, president said he was going to buy into the DACA thing and they were going to give him some money for that 
stupid mm-hmm. fence that he wants, and uh, he bailed out on us at the last second. Yeah. But I agree. I mean, it, that's it is absolutely not fair to treat those people right. that way. Right. Absolutely. And, and again, you know, thank you, court system, to to you know to um, to at least you know get them to um, you know stop packing their bags for for a year or two. Um, but um, uh, again, if the Senate Republicans don't want to go along with it, it's going to look really bad for them in 2020. And, and that's the only leverage that we have right now. Uh, I, I did read um, an article today um, about what some of the legislation that uh, Pelosi and and the Democrats are looking at. And I kind of thought these were um, maybe not as bipartisan. So I kind of give them some credit on it, but it does put the pressure on everyone in Congress. What's yeah. an example? Uh, political and election corruption. Oh, that's Getting right. the money yep. out of politics. And I saw that. I did see that article. And there's going to be, um, you know, a couple of Democrats have, have really stepped up. They're walking the walk, guys like Sarbanes, and they're saying, look, I don't take PAC money, and we want to start exposing what PAC money is, exposing your donors, making uh, limited contributions. And the other part that I thought was kind of interesting in what they were proposing was a six-to-one federal match. Yeah, for like $100, they raise the government would give them six, 600 Yeah. And and I, I, I mean I, I, I think it'd be interesting to, to discuss and and look really deep into publicly funded elections and what that would cost and what that looks like. Um, well, think about this. Look at small donation elections, mm-hmm. internet stuff. Look at Beto O'Rourke. He proved yes mm-hmm. it can be done. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have these big Bernie Sanders. Parents. Bernie Sanders. He was kind of the one that started that mm-hmm. thing. Yep. But Beto O'Rourke. What did he? he $39 million in the last month or whatever it was yeah. towards the end of uh, his campaign. And those were all small donations, small stuff. He wasn't taking, mo- as far as I know, he didn't take any big pack money or, you know, big industry right. money. Right. So and he I, proves it can be done. Take that $39 million times six. Look and and that, that really puts stress on any, uh, any congressperson that doesn't want to go along with that. I mean, you've got to really come up with a really twisted story to take to your constituents <laughs> and say, I want big money. <laughs> and I want it dark so you don't know where it's coming from. And, uh, you know, I don't even really want to report it, you know. <laughs> and, and so I, I think it's a, it's a noble goal. And, uh, you know, I think that's where Nancy Pelosi shows her smarts. Like her, dislike her, um, but there's some real smarts in, in putting that as agenda one. I read that article today, and, and I thought the same thing. I said, this is pretty clever, mm-hmm. the way they're crafting this, and it will put pressure on the Republicans for sure. Yep. And the other, the, other, uh, the second piece uh, to that, which uh, I, I support, and I, I think is one of those you know, really important uh, pieces that are missing in America right now, and that is expanding voter rights. You know, there's, there's voter suppression, and, you know, I've argued with many about what is voter suppression and what is not. But what I'll go back to is our best states have 60% of the eligible voters voting. Our worst states have like 40%. The average is somewhere around 50, 50-something percent. What, what are we doing? What is Congress doing? What is the government doing 
to expand that, whether it's a music, at, at the state level or the federal level, what are we doing to get more people engaged in voting? And, you know, the scare tactic of, you know, expanding voter rights leads to more voter fraud, bunch of nonsense. Um, and, and I think that that is, is, again, another one of those pieces of legislation that uh, the Democrats can push and then, you know, have the Republicans on their heels trying to defend. But I, I'd stay in messaging. I would stay away from voter suppression and talk about expanding voter rights and getting more people engaged in the process. Well, just make sure you tell the Supreme Court that, you know, don't right. dismantle it this time. Well, one of the things that, that she was going to propose was um, uh, a fix to that. So working within the construct that, that, uh, that they changed within the Voting Rights Act, and saying, okay, here's a new law. Now, maybe it goes back up to the Supreme Court again or not. It seems like everything does nowadays. But I, I never did understand why they would get involved with that and rule the way they Texas. did. Texas. <sighs> it, 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 it's like, why would you put people in a position to have their ability to vote hampered? I, I just That just seems un-American to me. At the Period. core, at the core, basically what Roberts was saying was racism is dead. Yeah. There, there, there was no more racism in America, so we don't need to protect minority classes uh, with, with, with voting rights. That's, and I, I even think in one of, the, uh, uh, one of the majority opinions, they even mentioned the fact that Barack Obama had been elected president. That was their rationale. That, that we even have a black president, and See, so therefore, yeah. you know, that makes the case that racism is dead in America. Hmm. I'll fact check that, too. I buy into that. <clears throat> that. That seems logical to me. Knobs, you? Thumbs up. All right. Bottoms up. Bottoms, Bottoms up. up. Bottoms, Bottoms up. up. Uh, one of the things that legislation can do, and, and, and we talked about this, it can actually bring those Americans back together. If you're really bringing tangible results, take the ACA, for example. It's a very hot topic, you know, super hot topic with, um, you know, the Trumpsters. And, but nobody wants to get rid of it now. Politicians do. They're still trying to stick to some, you know, crazy promises that they made back in 2016 and 20... Oh, they've uh, been after it for eight years. Right, right. But you survey the people, the ones that have it, like it, they want to keep it, and good legislation will bring Americans together. It's like 60-70% approval yep. for yep. Obamacare. So that to me is, is, is a big pro in, in terms of you know what, why they should go after legislation. Um, you know, of course, the con is they don't, they don't get anything done. Everything goes to the Senate and dies, and it just becomes a talking point just becomes a an election talking point and it it, it, it was deemed a, a waste of time and, and Democrats um, you know flaunting their socialism but not being able to execute it you know it becomes fodder yeah I mean in the overall topic I find myself really torn because from a knee-jerk reaction I just want them to investigate till the cows come home. <laughs> there are so many people worthy of investigation. I mean, it, it's it's mind-boggling. But 
when you get a beginning list of 85, that's what happens when you go two years without yeah. checks and balances, yeah. without any true oversight. This, that is the, the end product of people not doing their job. Yeah. You get this, this plugged toilet of crap <laughs> and no plunger. <laughs> well, we just elected a plunger, so hope. But so, anyways. I'm trying to stay. Is Nancy Pelosi our plunger? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. I, I guess I'm trying to strike a balance in my head, but just need you. Well, I, ju- I just want to stick it to him yeah. in trying. I'm going after that revenge thing, but I know it isn't right. I, I, I think, you know, really what most people want is probably that right balance. Get some leg- legislative things done. Do the oversight that you were supposed to do all along as a body. Um, you know, and and can Congress do that? Can they juggle more than one thing at a time, which is not juggling at all? That's what kind of remains to be seen. Let um, me ask, let me ask you this: <clears throat> Say, for instance, t- uh, twenty nineteen, the House goes in, they find that nice balance between oversight and legislation. Do you find the Republicans may join in on the oversight game, seeing an advantage to it, playing nice? Or do you, do you see them building a resistance and just continuing to be the, uh, the hard-headed people The only thing they seem to know is their base. I, 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 it's well, hard then you for me answered to, my question. It's, it's hard, it, it is hard to imagine that they're going to get behind anything that is— I mean, there's, there's lots of examples of legislative needs that, you know— 70, 80 percent of the people stand behind, but the Republicans in that core 30 percent base they have, maybe as high as 40 percent, won't move on it. You know, universal background checks. It's 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 been as high as the 90s. What have they done about it? Zip. You know, so I, I it's 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 difficult to, to, to imagine that they would get behind what's right for America. And that's why I always make the case that both parties are not the same. You hear that, and in some ways they are in terms of PAC money, instead of in, in, in terms of big donor, those kind of things, they are, they are very much the same. Idealistically, no. Listening to what the American people want, definitely not. No, they, they definitely seem tone deaf. So. All right, time for our second beer. Absolutely. Let's see what we got. All right, so I described the first one. How about you take this one away? What do we got? What do we got? We've got Dark Horse Brewing Company from Marshall, Michigan. And this is their Scotty Karate. Scotch Sweet name. Uh, Sweet name, sweet label. (laughs) That's Uh, hilarious. Yeah. Some fine lines there on the uh, the label. Uh, Guest artist series with James Mestamaker from Austin, Texas. Yeehaw! So they're bringing in artists. Some probably known, some probably very much unknown, and giving them a chance to put their art on the labels. I think that's fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, this this uh, this potent potable here has 9.75 percent. So that means uh, fell off my chair. Uber uh, Uber out of the uh, out of the <laughs> studio again this week. That's right. And it is a Scottish ale, which I've learned. Some are better than others. So open it up. Let's pop these bad boys. And uh, I don't think I've ever had, I didn't even know this uh, brewery existed, Dark Horse Brewery. I think they're in, they're a kazoo. Marshall. 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 Yeah. 
I could have swore that. You don't even listen to what I say anymore, do you? Dark horse. Were you speaking? <laughs> All righty. All right. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Let's give her a whack. Uh, Fred, first first uh, pass. Well, I did want to go back to the first beer. Okay. The uh, blueberry maple pancake stack thing. I found by the time I got to the bottom of that bottle, I was not liking it so much. It got progressively worse, and I found that I didn't really taste the maple syrup part of it, but my mouth felt coated, so my thumb up kind of tilted and went down. But on to this beer. Well, let me, let me maybe I can change your mind about okay. that Saugatuck beer. All right. Because I just noticed on the inside of the cap of the Saugatuck beer, it says, here's to happy. <laughs> and it's got a TM. Oh, <laughs> sweet. Uh, right. Inside joke there. But yep. anyway, here's to happy. Uh, you got to like the little touches of, of putting something on the inside of your cap. Well, first thing uh, I want to say about this beer is I love the name Scotty Karate. That's pretty awesome. I want to drink it just because of that. Um, I'm not familiar with Scotch Ales, uh, so this is something new to me. And if I'm being honest, nothing is jumping out at me about this beer. It just tastes like a beer. So I, 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 I'm not pulled one way or the other on this one. So I... Indifference. I'm indifferent, and I think I'm going to have to have a couple more swigs to say for sure. Yeah. Um, I enjoy this beer. It is harder to differentiate from other uh, craft beers that aren't. It's certainly not a lager. I mean, you can taste there's some some more body in it than um, uh, just a lager, and, and uh, it's certainly not as hoppy or bitter as an IPA. So I, I know what you mean that it's just a beer. Um but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, I think it's it's pretty good, and I would probably purchase this one again. You know, what's and, fan- and I kind of agree with you on the last one. I don't know that I would repurchase. You know what is fantastic about it? I don't have a uh, maple syrup coated mouth, <laughs> so that's positive. <laughs> How about you, Nobs? Uh, thumb way up on this one. Oh, I really okay. like it. It reminds me of another one of my favorites, uh, Final Absolution by Dragon Mead. Amen. Um, that's a good beer. This is good. I really like it. I just got good flavor, but not too bitter or over strong. So, yeah. It's a uh, knob all the way to 11. Woo! Wow. Got an 11. That's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, this is good stuff. I, I, I like it, but again, at this point, nothing's jumping out at me. So, so uh while we were doing our little beer review there, you may have noticed we had a little bit of uh, background music going, and that kind of leads us into our cultural topic for the week, Vinyl Revival. Uh, we had that playing on the turntable. That was some Bob Dylan, Mr. Tambourine Man, and uh, that's our... Greatest sub- Hits number one. Greatest Hits number one. Which is a, a vinyl uh, must for anyone that does have a vinyl collection and my humble opinion. Um, um, I don't know, you know, Fred, you were, you were saying you, you wanted to continue on about the vinyl revival? Yeah, vinyl revival. Um, what's interesting, well, what kind of made me think about this is uh, a lot of our friends lately have started purchasing 
or are planning on purchasing turntables and um, I've always had one but uh, we just upgraded ourselves but I started thinking about it it's like yeah it's so cool that everyone's interested in vinyl and all that again and I started thinking about how old I am when I first started listening to music all we had was vinyl and I can remember my first 45 vinyl was Sonny and Cher I got you babe <laughs> and it, you want to hear the funny thing about it? you laughing that was yeah. a current number one song at that time uh, that shows you how old I am. <laughs> I've gone from vinyl to A-track to cassette to CD to live streaming. To streaming, yeah. And now we're back at vinyl and, and having a ball with it. My whole family, we yeah. were just having a great time with it. And it's so cool to see the vinyl revival in our household and amongst our friends. So we thought this would be a really cool subject to chit-chat about and drink some beer, potoms up. Bottoms up. up. The uh, yeah, the the popularity is is is, is certainly you know you're seeing a, a huge hockey stick up over the last ten years on, on vinyl um, uh, usage or acceptance. Um, I'm I'm actually a little uh, slower on um, getting on board here because the turntable and the vinyl that we're listening to is uh, my daughter's, <laughs> and for whatever reason, and I can't figure this out, Fred. She moved off campus. She lives in a great house off campus, but she doesn't want to have her turntable and records up there. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I mean, it's the kind of house that would be perfect for this kind of thing. And so she has bequeathed it to me for uh, an unspecified amount of time. And so I have the luxury now of, of being able to, uh, to spin some records uh, in her absence. And uh, obviously, she's got a top-notch collection, in my opinion, because uh, that was Bob Dylan. Um, uh, last week, I think you called me the stat man. <laughs> yeah. I, I noticed we've got some charts to go over here today. Uh, Luke, wake up, Luke. <laughs> uh, vinyl records have increased 260% since 2009. Um, so it's a huge growth, and it's uh, basically... 20% every year is kind of the trend that it's on. It is still only 6% of music sales. But I often wonder how they're capturing that because how much is in the used market record? I mean, one of the things that really helped out my daughter's collection was when she wanted a turntable and I thought, oh, man, she's growing up to be the girl I you know, thought she could be. Uh, she wanted the turntable. So I put a call out to friends, uh, Facebook friends, and said, who has vinyl records that they're no longer using and uh you know we've got to, we, we had a few responses and it built their collection Man, um, you got what a, about a hundred albums there's maybe? somewhere uh in that neighborhood awesome um, and uh and then we've also uh i say we for her but i'm paying for it um <laughs> uh one of the big record clubs uh, vinyl me please and um i think that those kinds of clubs out there are, uh, so there's a free plug there for Violet Me, please. Um, you can send us some more Karate Scotty. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, they kind of jumped onto the revival, and there's other clubs out there that you can now bring in the records, um, you know, have them delivered right to your door. Um, one of the interesting things that's happened in this whole business has been the decline of the CD since streaming music came along. Yeah, that, that's and so, killing CDs. You know, that's kind of... 
there's a jealousy factor there, I think, <laughs> that the uptick in vinyl is, is, is kind of now surpassing um, what CD sales um, were. You know. you know what's kind of interesting to me? With the onset of the streaming music, what's lost compared to a vinyl is album continuation. Body of work. Body of work. People nowadays on my list. hunt and peck and just pick and choose songs here and there to stream or whatever, and, and they lose that continuity of an album. I hated digital music when it first came out. The concept of I could just buy or listen to one song and I didn't have to have body of work. I, 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 I would be hypocritical to say that I didn't get on board with digital music, but going back to albums and albums on vinyl where it is certainly not convenient <laughs> to be clicking past your next song, uh, you know, the songs you don't like and going to the next song, um, you know, that's what the vinyl does and, and it's terrific. Um, I've mentioned my daughter in this podcast. My son, he only, even though he listens only to digital music, he only listens to albums. Good boy. Yep, because he does want to catch that body of work and feels that the, the, the album was written in a time and space that was what the artist had in mind. And, you know, you should be listening to what the artist had in mind, you know, during that whole span which includes every song, um, and, and vinyl does that. I kind of feel I kind of feel bad for the streamers in a way because they miss out on the experience mm-hmm. of the storyteller. Yeah, maybe a song tells a story, but there are so many vinyl LPs out there, especially double albums, that it it's like reading a book in a sense. Not not all of them, but there's quite a few out there. I mean, like The Wall and Tommy, and just you know, to name a CDs couple. CDs tried to capture some of that, but there's nothing like looking at the liner notes of a vinyl album, pulling that album out of the sleeve. You know, we, we remember. And certain... didn't it piss you off when they didn't have lyrics? <laughs> a white a white liner? Are you kidding me? Or you wanted something to read? You know, it'd be you know newspaper clippings or or whatnot. Um, you know, the early runs of some of those albums uh, were very creative in what they did. You know, they weren't just jewel cases, right? Think of uh, Rolling Stone's Sticky Fingers. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, There's a the great zipper, example, right? yeah. Um, you know, one of the – we talk about time and place and the experience. I, I recall kind of where I was or at least the moment, uh, not the date, but when I was with uh, a friend – and, uh, you know, for sake of anonymity, I won't name him, but he'll know who he is. Uh, I was with him the day that he bought Pink Floyd Animals, 1977. I wasn't even that familiar with Pink Floyd. He went out and bought it the day that it was released. We went to the mall. He knew what he was doing, bought that album. We went back and listened to it. And it was... Your life it, was changed, wasn't it? it just say it. Yeah, but but really just what, say it. what it was about was I say remember it. buying it. I was changed. Thank but, you. But it, but yeah, I, but we'll I remember on. I remember the experience of buying the album with him, Take going through the liner notes. Oh, yeah. You forgot. Trying to get that cellophane off. <laughs> You'd use your fingernail and it would cut you under your nail. You because you were you were so careful with the actual vinyl. That's yep. that's what it was about. You know. I'm sorry. So, anyway, no, that's just when I was thinking about doing this the segment I was 
that that's what came to mind was was buying Pink Floyd animals at the store. I can remember walking through the mall, getting to his house, putting it on, and then just being floored. Just absolutely floored. First time I heard it. Do you remember the first LP that you bought for yourself? Oh, uh, no, I, I have to say that I, I do not recall. I remember mine. It was Moody Blues mm. on the Threshold of a Dream. And I didn't know squat about Moody Blues, but there was a department store behind my house, Corvettes, if you remember that. Yeah, of course. 12 and Gratiot. And uh, they, it was on sale. I think it was like 99 cents or something in some bin. And I just, I loved the artwork of the album cover. And I happened to have a dollar on me, and I grabbed that. And that was the first vinyl LP I ever bought. And there's a couple songs on there, actually, to this day when I hear it, it just it just takes me back. To uh, walking through Corvettes and seeing that bin and grabbing that album. Now, I do remember the first rock album that I ever listened to on vinyl. Which was? Uh, Led Zeppelin, Houses of the Holy. Uh, do you remember that album cover? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the child climbing the yes, rocks. Yes, the naked girls. <laughs> the naked girl. Oh, that's what. Oh, aha. And uh, I probably was about uh, probably 12 or 13. And I was over at a friend's house. And we were going through his older sister's albums. Oh, I, 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 I say her drawers. <laughs> uh, that's another story, another time, <laughs> another cultural topic. Um, and... Uh, we just wanted to hear some music and see what she was listening to. Had, had really no idea what rock and roll was about at that time. Um, I, I, I couldn't have been any more than uh, 12 and probably no younger than 10 when I, when I think about the time and place. And we grabbed that album because it showed a bunch of naked girls climbing up a hill. And we thought, well, what kind of music <laughs> is, this? is, is on, this, on this album? And the first song that we heard was uh, Dire Maker or oh, yeah. Dermaker, uh, as, as, yeah. as some people pronounce it. And w- we thought it was the funniest thing we'd ever heard. <laughs> you know, the oh, 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 ah, ah, ahs. And we just played it. Oh, we didn't even play any other song on the album. <laughs> so we just kept playing that song over and over again because we thought it was hilarious to, to, to hear um, Robert Plant s- sing in that way. Correct me if I'm wrong. Houses of the Holy... The song Houses of the Holy is not nah, on that album. It's right. on Physical Graffiti. Yes, that is right. Booyah! <laughs> Bottoms up. Bottoms up. <laughs> wow, the brain still works occasionally. <laughs> and in Physical Graffiti, is that a song? Or is that just no, there's album? no song, Physical okay. Graffiti. I thought they did uh, this. And, and, and the, first, um, uh, the first production of that vinyl album had the shifting windows. Oh, that had the right. letters... So the windows were closed, and then you could slide it, and then it said physical graffiti within the windows of the of, of the tenant complex or whatever was the cityscape that they used. Um, and again, you know, all that is is lost today unless you're buying used albums, you know. Um, uh, the the revival, the vinyl revival, uh, has had one major champion, really, uh, in the artist world, and uh, that is Detroit's own Jack White. Oh yeah. Um, you know, last week we talked about Detroit's Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Why? So this we're gonna we're gonna we're, steak on we're, we're gonna bring a Michigan character somewhere into every <laughs> single podcast. Uh, and uh, uh, Jack White has been a huge proponent, and his Third Man Records and Third Man Pressing has been, um, you know, someone that's really trying to drive vinyl back. And his listening group, 
his listening fans are also gobbling up vinyl records. So his message is, is kind of working. Um, more stats for you here. Uh, well, just to, we have at least three or four albums bought at Jack White's Third Man Records down mm-hmm. in um, Midtown by Wayne State University. So any of his? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, what the hell's the name of that album? Uh, well, I've got a couple here: uh, okay. Blunderbuss and Lazaretto. Lazaretto, that's the one. We we're, that one. We're both number one albums sold vinyl in the U.S. in 2012 and 2014. Uh, 2018, and we bought his last one, but I don't know the name. 28. Of it. I was just saying, 2018, uh, the number one uh, through mid-year, according to Nielsen. So through June, uh, Boarding House Reach, and uh, yeah, terrific, terrific album, and he's really. Um, pressing, uh, pun intended, for <laughs> for for you know this vinyl revival a, a, as well. Um, and 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 if you ever get the opportunity to go to a third man record, mm-hmm. you can go into a booth inside of the store and you can create your own vinyl of your own self. So just a side note, I've been to the one in Nashville and also Detroit and. You can go in there and cut your own vinyl if you like. One of the reasons I think vinyl has made a resurgence is uh, the cost of entry now is more reasonable than it used to be. New albums are expensive. Way expensive. 30-plus, right? It's hard to find something for less than $30. Yep. But the used market is still thriving. And, you know, there's all these little independent stores, and if you like to help your local communities, buy uh, Weirdsville Records. <clears throat> Mount Clemens, um, Michigan. If I'm wearing you, the shirt right now. If you want to support your local uh, your local businesses, those used record stores are popping up all over the place. You can you know find all kinds of great deals in there from fifty cents to five bucks. Um, the, the, Keep going. Well, or higher. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I'm just going on the, on the low end of the scale. Um, uh, and the other thing that I've kind of been surprised about are turntables. You know, there's certainly the highest end audiophile kind of turntables that are still running, you know, $1,200 for direct drive. But you can also spend, you know, less than $100 on, you know, uh, something that's going to get the job done and, you know, spin your records and spin them uh, consistently uh, and have a decent sound to them, depending upon what other pieces you have hooked up. We've just bought a, uh, we'll do another plug, Victrola. It's a... Uh, it has Bluetooth, so if you want to listen to some streaming through it, you can as well. But it's an external speakers turntable. Pretty basic, but uh, it's 50 watts. It fills the living room up with plenty of sound, and it's yeah. easy. You know, it's no hassle, and it, it was 60 bucks, I think, something like that. And uh, we love it, so it's, it's great. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine recently and uh, speaking of turntables and he saw the Victrola in our house and he was telling me about and I, I don't know the the brand name of this turntable but back in the 70s or 80s when he bought it the turntable was a grand then the tone arm which has the stylus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was 200 yeah. and then the stylus was 3 or 400 dollars so yeah. you, you you could cut and cobble the turntable setup that you wanted. So this uh, appeals to audiophiles. So he, let's see, what is it, 18? He got, because they register the owners of these turntables, he got a card 
inviting him to the birthday of that particular model. <laughs> he goes, he went to it, and yeah. there's all these people that own that turntable X amount, I don't know, 30 or 40 years yeah. later. Yeah. And they had, um, they, they had the original one there, and then they had the current one there. And that current one, just for the turntable, I might get these numbers a little fuzzy, but I think that the turntable was 26,000. <laughs> That's the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said 1,200. I was thinking, eh. And then the tone arm, the, the yeah. tone arm, I can't remember. But then it also had a set of uh, external speakers and some streaming device. That was like 16 grand for that. So yeah. you're looking at basically 50 grand just for a turntable and something to play it through. So yeah. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. I better be able to drive it to work. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> doubt. If I actually did drive to work. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Nobs, do you own a turntable? Um, I'm going to take credit for actually kind of being the foundation of this topic because last week after we recorded this, I was talking about it. And no, it's on the top of my Christmas list to get one. Ah, do you okay. own vinyl, though? Two. Two. It's a start. It's it a is st a start. And but it's because of Kickstarter. I kickstarted a local band, and one of the goals was, like, whenever you donate a certain amount, uh, they would send two of their albums on vinyl. <laughs> so you have two of the same. No. Oh. Okay. Two, two different albums, not the same one. But it's a double album. <laughs> no, they're at home. But uh, they're the same. <laughs> at home, unopened, with no player, so... Remember when you open them, you're going to be really careful when you open them. You don't want to damage the cover. You don't want to damage the liner. You don't want to damage the the uh, the, the, the a sore topic. Thank you, there, Blotto, because UPS delivered them in the rain. Uh, yeah. But that's fine. Water. Yeah. I mean, well, if if the if the covers got got damaged, that sucks. But you, the, there's a little bit of warping from uh, that sucks the water, the moisture. But who's the band? Uh, it would be the Natal Howell. Oh, okay. well, there we go. We're familiar. Uh, from Michigan. Absolutely. Yeah. Some homegrown stuff. Bottoms right. up. Bottoms up. up. Native Howell. <laughs> Love those guys. Thrash grass. You know what I... <clears throat> I almost choked on my, my beer. Um, you know what I've noticed, though? Because we, we, for the most part, have bought mainly used records. Because I... I like it. It's a period piece. I, I don't care if there's snap, crackle, pop on the, when it plays. It's what you expect. It's what you expect, and, and that's part of the charm. But we, we have bought a fair amount of okay. new vinyl as mm -hmm. well, and it's amazing the weight difference and the thickness difference. And, and I know Mr. Statman has got some information on that. Well, love... just weights run anywhere from 150 to 200 180 to 200 grams is considered heavyweight. 140 is on the flimsy side. Um, but what I've read is it doesn't really affect sound quality. It affects durability. Uh, it it gives you a sense of quality. Um, but, you know, would I pay extra for a heavier album? I, I probably wouldn't. Um, you know, I, I know that in the club that... Uh, uh, my daughter and and myself are in some do come in heavier weight and they they make a note of that um uh, and and the other thing that they do is uh they include lots of little extras like you would buy in you know um what was one of the famous uh record stores uh, uh peach 
Peaches. Peaches, right. That you would buy, you know, when you bought those first runs. You, you got, you know, a poster or something like that. And, and, and uh, you know, don't, don't want to give them a free plug again, but they, they, include, <laughs> they, they include all kinds of little extras when you, when you uh, are a member of their club hmm. and their membership. Interesting. Yeah, lots of posters. I, I think the, the majority you can't of... can't get a poster in a CD. No, not really. Be you a, can't get a poster on Spotify. It'd be like a postcard. <laughs> Spotify. Oh, <laughs> well, you might mentally imagine what. It's. <laughs> One thing I, as far as like the getting back to the weight, thinking about all the vinyls, new ones I bought. There's only been one that had like the old flexibility, and that was the uh, Clash London Calling, and that was it. Reminded me of an old one because you took it out, and there was actually a little. Yeah, it bowed a little bit when I took it out of the sleeve, and but all the other ones are, have been the heavier weight. And I gotta believe it's a marketing thing just to make you think you're getting a higher quality record. But like you say, that has nothing to do with the sound. You know what's interesting is it where they're where and how they're being produced with the heavier weight, because there aren't very many new presses out there. It is one of the reasons that drives up cost because there's not very many people actually making the albums, physically making them. Um, some shops have had to dust off. I think it was Sony Music has has gone back to their old machines and kind of dusted them off to start making records again because no one's making the machines either. Uh, uh, so, so I, you know, I, I think it's going to continue to grow. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's a fad or not, but I think it's got some legs to it and. You know, maybe the cost will come down, but there's so much still out there on the used market that anybody can get in the business uh, relatively inexpensive. And certainly, uh, Fred Nobbs and I recommend that you do get in the business. Oh, I think it's you fun. Know? And if, if Nobbs is on the on, on the uh, on the nice list, <laughs> then 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 he'll get one. We'll we'll find out if he is on the nice list. <laughs> That's all right. That'll be the all true right. test. Turn, Stay tuned. Turntable or no turntable. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun talking about that. So uh, I guess we'll put a bow and a ribbon on this episode. Thanks for joining us. And uh, to you, we say bottoms up. Bottoms up. And we'll see you next week. Bottoms up. Out. Out. Thank you. Because, baby. Cause baby, I hate you Cause baby